What is the Podcaster Matrix? The Podcaster Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. Shield. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, SHIELD, the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. SHIELD's activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. Time and space have very little meaning, especially when you already know what's supposed to happen when. Are you in the mood for revelation? Are you in the mood for reminiscing with old friends? Are you prepared to do what you need to do to get the job done? Our friends who call themselves the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are. And it's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. A complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, Season 7, the final season, Episode 10, Stolen. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. Sometimes you're the hammer. And sometimes you're not. Like my tire this evening. On the way to the studio this evening, I have once again received the gift of my two and a half minute drive. Hey, that's awesome. Wow, that's cool. The flat tire is not so cool. Mm. And it's just a, it's a quick reminder of how how a really, really great day can kind of just nosedive into the toilet for no particular reason. And uh, what are you going to do about it? The answer is I'm enacting the plan that I have for when I have a flat tire, all of which I will be talking about inside of a new podcast and video effort coming soon called The Charger Forward Project. For those of you that have been listening, we've mentioned it a couple of times, but we're running with both feet very quickly with some high-speed shoes on it to get it launched up and running so that all of you can become more educated drivers, learn a little bit more about me, but more importantly, understand more about the relationship between you and your vehicle. Look for more over at chargerforward.com. Remember that show? We've got a whole bunch of cross-pollination audience that's going on inside of this program between the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast and our other podcast that you and I do in tandem that's called the Curious Goods Podcast, which is a review of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. No, not the knife-wielding, time-to-murder, sex-having teenagers movie series, but rather the Cursed Antiques series that was on way back in the 80s that Nick and I have been doing a, a really fun podcast on and i wanted to mention it again because we're so proud to welcome the plans to welcome on one of the stars of that show 
John LeMay, who has been listening to our program apparently since inception of the program. And so I can't wait for, for more details to come, but all of you should go and catch up on that show and then start listening to the programs where he comes on and talks a little bit about his time both on the show, but also what he thought about the show being made. Those episodes are coming up on the Curious Goods Podcast over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. All right, enough housekeeping. It's time to focus on this show, The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This time we're reviewing Season 7, Episode 10, Stolen. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. A bar and a boombox. This was a lot of fun watching this. I, I just so happened to have watched another episode of a podcast I frequent with a guy named Mover, who is a former uh, F-18 Hornet pilot that has a series over on YouTube. And in addition to releasing his recent helicopter training stuff that I, I can't believe I'm watching a, a former fighter pilot learn how to fly little baby helicopters and then migrate <laughs> to something else. Anyway, uh, uh, one of the segments on inside of his channel is it's mover ruins movies is the name of it. And it's where he, as a fighter pilot goes in and you guessed it ruins every piece of aeronautical flight flying movie. You can imagine you're listening to uh, this time. He's actually accompanied by a more recent F 18 Navy fighter pilot. So both of them, a collective Air Force F-18 fighter pilot and a Navy F-18 fighter pilot, rail and have fun talking about the classic Top Gun. And so we'll put a link inside the show notes. Anyway, inside of Top Gun, there is a wonderful 80s bar scene that everybody will remember that is legend. There's something akin to that inside this episode where we meet a young gentleman that kind of looks familiar. At least his attitude is familiar. A sad future story and a bullseye. I knew it was coming. I didn't know who would be the one to hit the bullseye at least once, but I knew that I knew it was coming as soon as we saw darts. And I thought that that was a terribly appropriate. The only thing more appropriate is the story that he lays on this guy that we have no idea who it is, but it then starts to ring true as to who this individual is. And the, the the development of the front end of this, it, it I, I want to say it felt so fast, but there, it's so robust that it didn't feel like it was fast. Well, no, no, I don't feel like it was fast at all because it gave me time to try to think, who could this possibly be? What S.H.I.E.L.D. agent would Nathaniel Malik be trying to sway right. to his group? Right. And I felt really freaking stupid when you find out who it is because it's such the obvious choice the if obvious, you're in the totally, 80s totally obvious choice. of course you're going to try to recruit this guy <laughs> right right and uh i i it, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's exactly what i did after we found out who it was i go back in the lore of what we've learned is legend of this program and the agents of shield and i go where else might he go because he could totally it is uh, we're going to talk more about it later on inside this episode, but it's the perfect flux for crossing over, not only for what happens inside of this program, but anything that happens over in that little thing called the MCU as well. 
Holy shit. It's John Garrett. How that, awesome I, is this? And that's why I felt stupid, because of course, <laughs> of course, they would be recruiting Garrett. Right, right. Because you might think, oh, well, obviously, the, the first obvious choice is Agent Ward. Right, but who is the guy that pulled Agent Ward in with the devious deception? Well, and that's the thing, because Garrett's <laughs> older than Ward. Ward probably wouldn't be in the Academy or anything like that until right. the 90s. Right. Because at first I'm like, are we doing young Ward? And then I had to think, well, wait a minute. This yeah, is the, the numbers 80s. don't work. And, and I love that. It, it becomes a piece of the tapestry that is the history of the program that we're kind of smashing together. But, again, because it's so rich, I don't feel like it's slapped together at all. Well, I, no. I love it. You and go then, back to season one and the secret bad guy of season one, John Garrett, played by the great, late Bill Paxton. And even though it was just it was a short performance, to be sure, on that that first and it was it was only like the the back half of that season it wasn't he wasn't even there at the beginning right uh and i remember uh even though i wasn't on the podcast there was a lot of talk of well the ratings aren't that great let's bring in a celebrity let's bring in bill paxton and and i could understand the thinking because i mean it's bill paxton mm -hmm. but then you know he's he's this kind of swaggering cowboy kind of yeah. the anti colson uh, uh, yes a seasoned cowboy that he's not kind of he's not done but he's he's sown his oats period paragraph right and i mean he played that character wonderfully as well especially in the oh, front yeah. end of it and uh, the, watching watching the spry now incredibly educated version of him i thought was one of the one of the best pieces of this episode and as an added bonus i was extremely curious of how they could find an actor that had that Paxton smile. <laughs> and, well, it was actually kind of simple. It's his son. Oh, you're kidding me. That is James Paxton, the son oh, wow. of Bill Paxton. I did not know that. That is tremendous. So it makes complete sense why he looks like a young Bill Paxton, because he's the son wow. of Bill Paxton. Oh, so that, that, brilliant casting. What a spry move. That, that's phenomenal. I, I, I just just recently I sat down and watched and took notes for the Shawshank Redemption. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain that everybody that's listening has probably seen it, but you never know. Probably, maybe not. Anyway, inside that movie, what you see is uh, Sage Old Red, who is Morgan Freeman. And what most people don't know is that Morgan Freeman's son actually plays him in a photograph as the young version mm. of Morgan Freeman, uh, his son also appears inside of inside of the movie in a quick spot, but nothing you probably remember. I, I love that. I think it's a great move. I think it's something that could easily be done with a bunch of people, and I I think they hit they hit it out of the park here. How 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 easy is it for any any of us to kind of go okay, so kind of act like your dad real quick, and you go and you find the pieces parts that make the that make the glue work yeah. and obviously someone like bill paxton's son he's gonna go and pick up on what his dad did and said so i i love that that's great great knowledge and as you said great even greater casting time is fraying in front of everyone so it's time to put it back in place this is cool because if you hadn't figured that out already at least somebody is actually saying it where now instead of it only being about how we have to have Hydra win, 
so that S.H.I.E.L.D. can also win. It's now about repairing the timeline somehow, some way, in the next four episodes. And I, I love that we've got that. It almost becomes a new goal, and then everything that happens inside of this episode impacts that new goal even more. Right. I, I mean, I, I get the concept, but, I mean, really, the, the whole trying to put the genie back in the bottle, that you, it's impossible. You can't. Right. And I'm very interested on, once we do reach the end, what's going to be the resolution? Because there is no way of fixing this easily without even more time travel and the possibility of time paradoxes. And, and then we go into, well, whose time travel rules are right? All the other films in history or Avengers Endgame? So, you know, I, I, again, we're, we're close to the end. We're almost there. So I know that I don't have to wait long to get an answer, but I, I, it almost seems futile to me that they want to try to put things right because, uh, like I said last episode, Humpty Dumpty, he's gone. He's yeah. scrambled eggs. Right. And he ain't coming back. And he's been eaten. He's been eaten. He, he, not only has he been eaten, it's funny that you mentioned that because the, the way I kind of think of it is this. We, we are sitting cage side. There, there's all kinds of awesome going on inside a cage, and we're sitting at the front watching it all unfold. Right. But what we have here is a literal path of temporal destruction in the wake of everybody inside of these episodes. Mm. So there is no way to go backwards. There's not a. There's no rewind button. This is not the VC, the VHS machine that was connected to the TV that Max Headroom slash LM Coulson was in that we can just hit the rewind button on and everything's cool. Uh, there is no DeLorean to get into and dial back to the date that we need to go back to and everything will just revert. So who cares? We're well beyond that. Right. And we, we have no semblance of anything that could just be ripped out of someplace except maybe the dark chocolate book that fixes it all. I mean, like, I, that's the only thing I can even think of that's kind of the X, the X factor. But, like, there would have to be this ultimate X factor thing that's either been represented somehow, like the dark chocolate book, or something else that, like, they kind of elbow nudged you at some point inside the series and then bring that back. And I, I hope they don't do that because I don't want that. If they bring back something that really does make sense, not unlike using Bill Paxton's kid to be Bill Paxton, then I'm all for it. But if they choose to do that, I would really like it to make some sense rather than it's just out of thin air and everything's cool. So enjoy the end of your series. I'm not interested in that. Well, so far they haven't done anything stupid. So I don't don't see them dropping the ball right there at the the end. Uh, I don't either. The clock is broken. I, I do have a question. How is it connecting to work to begin with? And have we established this, that it's just Fitzmagic is how it was working? That's what we were under the impression of. Okay. That's what everybody, including Simmons, was under the impression that this is how it works, and you, you just you just accept it. Okay. Because, well, I mean, we've, we've we, and I, I take that back, we have glanced on it. What we glanced on was at some point, oh, it was the 80s episode, and it's it's where they go back and Daisy just walks up to this old computer system and somehow with the new laptop jacks in. Okay, well, none of that shit works that way. 
And so here inside of this timeline where Simmons cracks open a laptop and, hey, look, there's no ability to get to the Internet. You know why? Well, it's because there isn't one to get to. There is no local Wi-Fi network set. All that stuff doesn't exist yet. And right. I think it had more to do with temporal fluxing right. than than the Internet. So, Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. But I wanted to go back and talk about that as well because it would have to be something like that that is just it's an unsaid either assumed thing or it's just something that they hope nobody would ever dig deep enough into to really care because the program is moving fast enough so that you don't really care and it's true i think if we didn't step outside the box and take a moment to step away from what was being delivered to us i wouldn't have thought to ask any of that it's just like oh well there's a computer system that tells us what's going on as the framework of what's going on in, inside of the the collected television screen cameras and we take that as a matter of course when in reality there's no way for that thing to connect to anything if there's not some magic fitsness. In Banff's Daisy's mom. This is great. Gordon and Jiang show up. And I love how fast this is. They just, just get in to info dumping to Daisy and whoop. In, in, in Banff's right. Gordon and Jiang. And what I also love inside of this, they did it two or three different times, and it was done really, really well. The incredibly dripping melodramatic dome of what could be a moment with Daisy's mom and Daisy, that could get really stupid really, really quick. Yeah. And what I really appreciate is that both of the actresses are such that even with the amount of time they were given inside of each of the scenes that they had, there was not one time at all that I felt where they were trying to sit there and wring out the, the, the melodramatic nature of Jaying and Daisy being somehow accidentally introduced again. Mm. I, I didn't get any of that, even though it happened a couple of times. And even though they're given a couple of, there's a, there's a wonderful longer scene towards the end of the episode that was really, really good. And not once did I ever get the boy. I sure wish this scene would end because it's far too melodramatic. I didn't get any of that. Dr. Grady needs more flair. That's a whole lot of buttons on that on that professor's jacket, friend. <laughs> it's the only thing that I could see. But what I did like was that it's kind of the evil cue. <laughs> the, the, the evil tech professor guy that's generating all this cool stuff and process for what the bad guys need and now want. And I, I love that. I love that we're sprinkled with that. You get just a, a little bit of the, the skeleton parts of what Nathaniel has conjured to foster his new dark plan that will impact the future that he already knows thanks to Sybil. I love that. The, the being able to take and add up all of the things that they're talking about in almost every sentence that Nathaniel talks about inside this episode. I really love that connective tissue. And I really love Dr. Grady's evil scientist suit. Talking Tech. The power extractor. There's a couple of times inside of this episode that the production design team pulls out some brilliant stagecraft. Hmm. This just happened to be one of them. There's there's several other scenes here where the stagecraft is just off the hook. And it th this one was tremendous because with just a couple of pumps of these incredibly mechanical looking things and what, two or three maybe sentences... 
said by Nathaniel and and the horrific looks and the the drained looks of other actors. I mean, it's brilliant. It, it's brilliant. You instantly get what this thing is doing. None of it's good. None of it's going to end well. And here it is right in front of your face. And I, I loved it. I loved that it was a practical thing. It was terrific. Yeah, I like the fact that it's a practical effect. My problem is, is that it makes no damn sense. So you get superhuman powers from a blood transfusion, and then you get to keep the superhuman powers, even though you're not genetically predisposed of having those powers. Yeah. There needed to be more science to it. You know, when when uh, when Nathaniel took Daisy's abilities, he says, I took, you know, some blood, some spinal fluid, some glands. He took a lot of shit that would I, I would totally believe. Oh, yeah. Once you mix all that up with you, you know, you're in your evil hydra chemistry set and inject yourself. Yeah. But then it didn't go right. But then you realize, oh, he just needed to practice. And I believe that had they not had the bio bed, Daisy wouldn't have survived. So the only reason why Daisy's alive and still has her abilities is because of the future's alien tech. Mm -hmm. So we take that, and and I know this is going to be another talking point later on, but I have to bring it up now because it's all part of this. This process doesn't kill the inhuman. You 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 just drain him and and put him away, let him let him heal up, and then I get that you get to do it again to somebody else. So now it's spreading out the power, but. Well, not only that, it's making a bunch of witnesses, and it's making right, and a I bunch mean, of it's making I'm, a bunch of loose ends. Yeah, I mean, eventually you're going to get rid of them, I guess. Yeah. But I guess you're going to use them as to much make as your you army first can. Yeah. I, 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 th- and as you said, we're going to talk about it later. But at least that uh, that at least gives me some stair steps for it to make some sense. There you go. Okay. So, I'm glad b- I could because, help because that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for even in even in the most evil of plans. There is some sort of, at least in the person's brain, common sense of why things are happening. Mm. If we go to our sage old sample of de Fuhrer, i.e. Hitler. Hitler had a plan. I hate to tell everybody. Right. I'm sure everybody knows he had a plan. It wasn't a good plan. Right, right. Well, it wasn't a good plan for anybody else but Hitler and his followers. Right. And for many of the followers, it wasn't that great a plan either because you get to choose your poison. And... You know that that that's what that's what I want everybody to understand. And we've talked about it several times, not only here but in other properties that we've done uh, podcasts for. It's the whole thing of th- that you can somehow empathize and understand at least what the bad guy is doing and talking about. Mm-hmm. They have wrangled that with masterful precision here. Yeah. Because while I I don't support what Nathaniel's doing. I understand everything that he's doing. Right. I understand the why. I understand that if I had his experience, and there's even a there's a wonderful scene in here, and it's another one of those instant snap scenes where I can't believe how much gobs of information that are, is awesome is delivered, but so quickly inside this episode of the why. And I think after you have all that, being able to understand the why, hmm. and then understanding that, yeah, but... I want the good guys to win, guys. <laughs> right. I, I love that. I love that because it it, it gives it, it it makes the it makes the evil usually twisting mustache guy, who Nathaniel I think could easily pull off if he was only the the monologuing evil mustache twirler. Well, he'd be good at that too. Oh, but he's not that. What he is doing is he's smartly building an army with information and education that's been given to him from somebody in the future. That is instantly going to benefit him, not the first time, not the third time, 
not the fiftieth time, but every single time. That's where we ask you guys, what did you find inside this episode that is a great talking tech moment? There's so many. I, I again, we kind of get to where there could be multiple talking tech moments inside of every single episode we've got. But we're wondering what you guys thought. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Fill in the quick web form and tell us what you thought was the talking tech we need to be talking about. Mercy comes in many forms. This scene was tremendous. Again, where it could have just been the evil mustache twirling and, okay, time to murder somebody else and dead. This scene and the subsequent ones where the power transfers are all showcased and or planned, I thought was a great tapestry of character development, but also of story development, Mm -hmm. which... I think is probably the centerpiece of this episode because while we do get some wonderful deliveries and some great acting inside of this, the thing that develops inside this episode the most is the story. There's there's no question. And this being able to, again, get the why and then the understanding of why they're going to do what they're going to do, i.e. kill Lee. Well, here it is. And now we're going to pull it off. And the, the death blow moment I thought was also tremendously done in regard to actually filming it, mm. showcasing it, and then having Bill Paxton's kid go, oh, yeah, I want that power. Uh, I thought that that was tremendous inside of this scene. Yeah, it's it's one of those, uh, again, it, it contradicts what we talked about earlier with the, well, we don't want to kill the Inhumans because we want to keep on using their powers, allegedly. But it makes perfect sense for Nathaniel to goad Cora into doing that because it helps further indoctrinate her into his way of thinking. Oh yeah, I, I get what what's going on here. Uh, it, it is very diabolical where Nathaniel is concerned, and you are right. Uh, the story, and it's not even the, the the good side. It's not even the good guy story. This is about the bad guys. Right, right. This it, is this is developing. I'm I'm thinking these are our big players for the final push of the show. So that's why this episode was very bad guy centric. Yeah. And and that's great. I love that. Yeah. There's another piece here where Nathaniel, while the death blow is being delivered by Cora to Lee, what you, what you can clearly see without question, you look at Nathaniel, Nathaniel's not watching the death blow. Nathaniel is watching Garrett to -hmm. see what his reaction is. And again, it's about, it's about developing this, this army whether he has selected the right people, even though he knows he has, because the future's been told. So, I, I, again, I, I I love all of that, and I, I love how it, it the story rounds itself out as it's being showcased, but also because you know they know. I, I think that's a brilliant move inside this episode. Maybe Fitz hasn't been sending the jump plans because... We glanced on this a couple of times in at least one other episode where Simmons starts thinking that maybe the reason she can't remember and what Daisy may have mentioned that she was horrified by is the thing that I think a lot of us, including a lot of our listeners, don't want to think about, which is the fact that whatever has happened, nothing good has happened to Fitz, i.e. Fitz, is dead. And I think that that is a, a wonderfully cloaked fact that showcased in at least two really deep scenes that are delivered here. 
The first one is where Daisy and Simmons bring it up, and that one is incredibly striking. The only thing more striking is, of course, Simmons and her grandson, Deke, talking about it and how neither of them want to talk about it. But Deke even more so, where he, he kind of, he, he's able to shovel it under the carpet, but at the same time kind of share that, you know, if that is the case, I, I don't want to know about it. <laughs> well, right. And I, I, I appreciated that so much because it's so real. I think that's what I appreciate about all the characters right now is that I can't run through any of the characters at all and go, well, that doesn't make any damn sense at all. I, I can't. Mm. There's nothing that they're not developing. And I, I love that they, they really do give the story the spotlight inside this episode. Revisiting Garrett's future past. This bullet point has even more power now knowing that that is Bill Paxton's kid. <laughs> what, a, what a tremendous honor and, and, and nod to his dad this must have been to be able to play him. Yeah. Knowing that he can go back and watch the episodes that he did appear in, especially those early ones. Uh, but then watch the more maniacal, diabolical ones where he begins his jaunt into madness because he was programmed to be mad. And I, I love it. I, I love it even more so. And it makes me want to go watch this episode again. So that I can now have that understanding as I'm watching it again. I, I, I think that that's tremendous. This whole thing that they've built with Garrett having the knowledge of his future and then going and, and hitting people in the face with like a pie. I love that. And I love that it, it's almost the pie smashing face that uh, the Garrett's character has on his face when he delivers the knowledge to the people that have no idea what he's talking about. Mm. Just look at his smile. When, when he says any of the things to any of the characters that that know that he knows, but they've never met. And you can you you can see that wry smile that's on Bill Paxton's kid showcasing that he knows he knows and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, and then more more to the point where Sybil is concerned by sharing all of this information from the future, which is now not even the future. It was one possible future. Uh, I think is even more nails in the coffin of this timeline never getting fixed whatsoever. I mean, yeah, again, I, I don't know how they're going to fix things. It's just going to have to be a, hey, all right, so this reality exists, which makes me wonder because, and it's been announced two, maybe almost three years ago, that Disney Plus will be doing an animated series called Marvel What If? Mm-hmm. And every episode will take a moment from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and what if it? it you know, one, one of the one of the big ones is going to be, what if Steve Rogers didn't take the Super Soldier Serum? What if it was Peggy Carter? And we know that that hey, Haley Atwell will be coming back to voice Peggy Carter in that episode as Captain Britain. Captain Carter? I don't know what she would be called. Yeah. Captain Courage? Uh, I think she's going to be called Captain Still Hottest as Captain Wa-wa-wa-wa-wa. Yeah. Captain, you got to be kidding me, Mike Wilkerson. That's what she's <laughs> called. But the thing is, is that if they're, if they're playing, if they're contemplating with playing with the idea of having alternate universes, yeah. and they even made that a point in Endgame, are we... Because remember... When this season first started, I thought, oh, are we going to fix how stupid Endgame's rules were? <laughs> now I'm starting to think, oh, we're living with 
in games rules. rules. Right. And I agree. And and technically speaking, I'm I think I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah. Depending on how it ends. Yeah. I, I think what's what's funny too, and this has been floated out a couple of times, Agent Kip, who's probably listening to this episode now and being horrified that I'm mentioning his name again, has mentioned several times that this show and what a lot of the rumor mills are spilling into is the Minds of Madness movie, the next Doctor Strange film, which could scream all over the place in regard to realities because it's Doctor Strange. That's kind well, of what well, I mean, he does. Yeah, it's a Doctor Strange and the <laughs> multiverse of madness. I mean, it, it's kind of saying you're visiting other yes, realities. Right. It's exactly. going to happen. It's going to happen. Not only is it going to happen, it's going to be part of the MCU, which means it can spill down to, into anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what he has mentioned several times. And he's not the only one. He's not the only one. And who knows? Who 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 knows? Reverse cap referencing. This is tremendous. It's a tiny little line. Most most of you probably didn't even notice it. But it's a line delivered by Sousa. Where instead of somebody informing Captain America about something that he missed out on because he was capsicle. <laughs> it works the other way around. Where Sousa is mentioning things from times long gone by. And it's, it's, it's superior knowledge. But it's old knowledge. Oh, right. And I love that. I, I love it. It makes Sousa an even more endearing character to me. And I, I also love what they're doing to develop the, the relationship and the characteristics that are surrounding both his and Daisy's relationship. Yeah. I, I, I like where that's going. It's not just, you know, we need to go find a really dark spot that nobody's watching and hump. I, I like that it's something way deeper than that. It may even be where there isn't supposed to be that romantic thing but that they do share in a kinship that is really developing. And this scene shows that. The scary part of here you go powers, both here and in the MCU. As I stated before, this is very interesting because they're giving the mechanism, they're giving the doctor that built the mechanism, they're giving Nathaniel that's got the dark plan, they're giving all of it. It's all here. But the dangling participle of all the plan is something that you and I have talked about a couple of times now that I know you absolutely hate which is that in some future time humans have decided that well now it's time for other humans to have superpowers so let's grab his here you go and so for the audience and for you this is where we have to understand a little bit about what might be being built here because as much as we want to say this program is completely outside the MCU, MCU shits on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the stuff that goes on inside of television dome, blah, 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 blah. If this is a piece of the program, then here it is because this is exactly what we were talking about two, three episodes ago. I don't know where to put this show anymore. Right. You know, it, right. uh, again, you know, a long, it, where, a long where time ago, live? they pretty much just said they're going to do what they want mm-hmm. because why bother trying to react to films when films aren't going to do the same thing? Right. And I understand that they were run by two totally separate parts of the same studio. Right. I, I get that, but it's the bullshit move of they literally own every single character now except for spider-man there there are a handful is the the hulk now piece is that transferred 
technically speaking, weird water. It, it the only thing that they don't own is the rights to distribute Hulk solo films. That's universal. But that deal is coming to an end as well. Mm-hmm. Everybody's coming home to roost. Uh, of course, of, except for Spider-Man and all of his associated stuff that Sony still owns, but is sharing with Marvel uh, to some degree or another. You now ha- you have this ability to be able to make everything matter, and you're not doing it. Right. One of the things that's always annoyed me about the DC films, and I'm not even talking about the quote-unquote DC cinematic universe. I'm talking about DC films going all the way back to Christopher Reeves' Superman. Warner Brothers owns the film rights for all DC comic book characters, Mm -hmm. which means starting with the Richard Donner Superman film, you could have been building a shared universe, the DC universe, and could have had Christopher Reeves with Linda Carter and Michael Keaton in a film, in a Justice League film, but nobody was thinking about doing stuff like that because that wasn't something that you thought about doing back then. That was that was madness. Now today, everything's about a franchise. This could be the backdoor answer to mutants, and it would actually be kind of funny because if we're trying to get rid of Inhumans, because let us not forget how bad Marvel's Inhumans was. If we want to forget all about Inhumans, well, wouldn't it be interesting if we just started giving Inhuman powers and spreading it to people that weren't Inhumans and then just call them mutants? Okay. I mean, it's been done in comic books before and it kind of works then, but me being an X-Men fan, I enjoy the history. You know, you do a story about Apocalypse. Apocalypse is, quote-unquote, the first mutant born in ancient Egypt and has been a thorn. Don't try to compare comic book apocalypse to that bastardization of a movie that came out a few years ago where, you know, you see him in ancient Egypt and then he's trapped for thousands of years. That's the point of that. Apocalypse has his finger on everything throughout history, moving humanity because he knows eventually mutants will blossom. And then survival of the fittest. That's what makes Apocalypse dangerous. And you can't do that if you introduce Apocalypse as somebody who was born in the 70s and had a hard life. And they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Everybody fights everybody. Whoever's last man standing wins. That just doesn't seem interesting to me. So while this could be the backdoor way of introducing the concept of mutants, where I'm sure that the Marvel films are headed. They are. We we know that they are. They own the rights. They're they're doing it. It's gonna happen. I just don't know if I want it this way. You know what? No, I know I don't want it this way. I I, I would love to see something different. I, I, I but I'm telling you, if I think what we have to do is we have to backpedal and remember when this was shot. Yeah, this was shot after Infinity War was distributed. I want to say right before Endgame was coming out, because it was last summer at Comic-Con, they announced they were at Comic-Con saying that the reason why the cast wasn't there, they were finishing this season. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and again, a year, the year before then, they said that, that they had said that two seasons had been greenlit. I remember talking about that specifically. Hmm. 
So, uh, again, we have to take that into account. And I think that that's probably a good thing because they would have to film this knowing that back then this would be alternative because the deal was not done by then. So, and anyway, I wanted to float that idea out there because if there was something to build on, because this whole time now, since the deal got done and the span of time where there is no Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because we're waiting for the next season to be delivered in May, this is what they've got. And if they needed to have it be the landing pad for something that is coming, i.e. the arrival of any of the X-Men ever, then this is absolutely there as a as a as the pool to land in. There's there's no question. The Jiaying Daisy scene. Wow. Touching. Not only touching, but again, I I want to reemphasize that at no time during any of this episode were the mommy daughter scenes ever melodramatic. Mhm. And I'm so happy that we were delivered this because, again, I love that actress that is Jiaying. Whoever that lady is, I want to go and find more of what she's done because I, I think she's tremendous. I'm also a giant fan now of the gal that plays Daisy because, again, for those of you that have short memories, Mikey no likey Sky inside of first and second season of this show at all. I thought that she was trite. I thought that she was just hacking the planet. And she happened to be a girl because he needed a girl hacker inside the series. And uh, it kind of goes back to what I said inside the last episode. I want to go back and I want to watch episode one, season one, and look at what we get to reap. What a treat any of the scenes she is featured in inside this episode are. Because, uh, again, the ability to emote and say so many things when actually saying nothing is something incredibly striking by Daisy inside of this episode because it happens two or three times where it could easily, very instantaneously spill into melodramatic, and it does not once. Mm. It makes me hopeful for the continuation of her character somewhere else in the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm -hmm. because this is a healing moment for her. She gets to meet the mother she always wanted to meet, you know, because when she met her mom, her mom was mm -hmm. crazy. Well, one that hasn't been impacted by her father. Right. I would like to see Daisy moving forward after agents of shield is over. I would like to see that. I'd like to see quake somewhere else mm -hmm. because I think it would be a shame to just shuffle these characters off to a, a, a you know, a warehouse somewhere next to the Ark of the covenant, <laughs> Never to be seen again. Yeah. Gordon gave all. You're, you're screwing with the timeline even more. So now Gordon's dead. Yeah. But how can Gordon be dead? Because he was instrumental in Afterlife getting a hold of Sky back in season two. So, so again, more, more fuckery with the timeline. <laughs> Pardon my language, to but damn it. Total path of destruction in everybody's wake. Yeah. There's no there's no doubt about it. And again, it gets back to that concept of fraying the timeline, where it, it, uh, it gets to the part where, not unlike my flat tire, where had I continued driving on it, eventually it would just get into a state of disrepair that no repair shop could possibly fix it. Right. And you got to get a new one. And it, it, it's very much the same instance here. So Gordon is gone. 
May and Garrett sitting in a bay. F I G H T I N G. This was fun. This again, again, now knowing that that's Bill Paxton's kid, this gets even more delicious because the, 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 the expression on his face is just so perfect. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, as is the hairline. The, the hairline is, <laughs> the hairline is 100% Bill Paxton and just, just tremendous casting. And I love this scene. It's fun to watch agent may get ready to kick some incredibly deep John Garrett ass, except she can't. Yeah, because now Garrett can teleport. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I think something else that we need to talk about, and I don't think I made a bullet point inside the inside the episode, is this. Is that as much as I love the spilling of Bill Paxton onto Bill Paxton's kid that is showcased inside of this episode, as much as I love him getting the powers very, very quickly and then instantaneously using them very, very quickly, what is now completely absent is the want to for people to have a period of time where powers have to be developed. That is a big striking negative. Well, we see a little bit of it. So instead of bamfing in with Nathaniel and John Garrett in the middle of a hallway where they're supposed to be, they're kind of in a back corner in a storeroom. Ha ha. Okay, I, I get all that, so it's not perfect. But what it isn't is a growing over time thing that we were given kind of in a hurry-up offense mode with Cora, but we don't get any of that with young John Garrett because he instantaneously assumes the power, is worried about his eyes, which I thought was a really nice uh, hide-the-football-hasn't-yet-happened thing. That's pretty cool. But then within a minute, he's able to kind of do whatever he wants, however he wants, with whatever power he's been given. And I do have a problem with that. Uh, that kind of gets back to the concept of, okay, so sit in the chair. We're going to hook your arm up. We're going to, whatever they else they were doing. I, I didn't actually see what the other process was. We're going to hook your arm up. We're going to get you the blood and the stool sample, whatever else they're grabbing from people. Right. And then you get it, and now you've got the powers. Period, paragraph, move on. Okay, but there has to be a period of time where then the powers are somehow developed and 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 honed. Because that is a giant piece of mutantdom. Yes, it is, but it's not a giant piece of Sublime and his human. The the fact that Garrett doesn't get the hang of it, he he gets things wrong, shows that it's not perfect. But this is a cheat. Yeah, and that's, that's well said. And I think I think that apparatus is also part of the cheat because boom, you you, you get it easy. You don't have to go through the process of teragenesis like the Inhumans do. You don't have to sprout claws or wings when you turn 13 and you hit puberty and things like that. It's easy. And it's the same thing with John Sublime and his human. It's we kidnap mutants, we rip their powers out of them, we, we take them and we graft it onto a human and boom, you've got them. You don't have to learn how to use them, you've got them. And it's the cheat. Because stealing, stealing's a cheat. You know, if you really want something, work for it. Well, no, people don't. These these bad guys don't want power. Don't don't want to work for their powers. They just want to take them from people that they don't think deserve them. For this, that's great. I mean, it it it, it works. But in the long run, like you said, it's it's a huge mark against the storytelling because 
you have to have that moment. Well, we talk about it all the time with, with anybody that gets new powers, the progression of powers. Again, I think what we're supposed to believe here is that this is a shortcut. I, I think it's a little bit worse than that because when we go back to the focus and the development of storytelling, not, not, not just the powers, the development of everything that you said, especially the piece of, hey, welcome to being a 13-year-old, you know, where you suddenly experience puberty. And puberty is where you start getting your powers and the horror begins. Mm -hmm. it, it's one of the giant baskets that I know caught me as a, a 10, 11, 12-year-old because your body is changing and nobody knows the pain that you're going through and everybody hates you and everybody points and laughs at you and all of that. All that disappears because who in the hell in their right mind is going to laugh at somebody that can put a, an instantly generated knife in your eye from 30 feet right now? And it's, it's kind of what I'm talking about is that you're, you're, that we're talking about an episode called Stolen, I think might be incredibly apt mm -hmm. because that is stealing a piece, a giant meaty piece of what something like the X-Men stories delivered because that's how it was delivered. If, if that's the way they're going to go. Daisy revs her engine. I thought surely we were going to see liquefy mode. I was hoping for it. I'm like, finally. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, all, all, that, all that Nathaniel needed to do was, oh, I don't know, kill Daisy's mom? <laughs> yep. But then again, there we go. She's dead. It, evidently not... And not know, a piece of the program. There's, there's, no, uh, there's no Wolverine healing factor. I mean, she, she, she's able to heal herself, but evidently not from this. So... Why didn't Daisy fade away like Marty in the picture? Because hmm? it because it's not like Marty in the picture. Didn't you go see Endgame, you dumbass? But and, they were I, all. But I, I everybody, know, I know, I know. I'm, well, I'm right. But I'm, I'm saying you. everybody in 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 dialogue. We must protect Jaying and Daisy at all cost. Well, evidently, no, you don't, because nothing happened. Right. Which means. All of our characters are outside of their own timeline. Right. Which means they're not going to fade away if something bad happens. Right. Which means endgame. Right. It means this is an alternate <laughs> universe. Right. Period. End of sentence. This is one of the, well, not so much, but <laughs> this is this is another in the mind of madness. It, it is. It's, a, it's another skew that is happening that we have to be cage side for. Nathaniel's not bulletproof i guess that would have been one of the things that i'd have made sure i had right off the bat was some sort of being imperviousness i don't know i if i'm building myself my own superpower suit i think i might want to include that one you'd think you'd go find a superpowered person like i don't know luke cage and suckle off some luke cage powers well right but right all, all this is really revolving around is in humans because at this point in time in the 80s, Luke Cage doesn't have his powers. I'm not specifically referring to Luke Cage. What right, I'm referring right. to is but, somebody but that has powers like Luke Cage. on powers, which he hasn't done. We, we haven't seen that happening. We haven't seen that happen with anybody. Hmm. Because we, we even talked about this a handful of episodes ago. If he started stacking powers, then he's Siler from Heroes. Hmm. And I'm pretty sure they weren't going to touch... They, they don't want any comparison whatsoever. Because even though... Heroes started out as a brilliant show. It went downhill the, real quick. It went in the toilet quick, yeah, I agree. Interesting. 
Nathaniel's not looking for Jiaying. Ah, oh, the twist. There's your twist. And not only is it a twist, it's something very interesting because without the, there was no progression of music, but in many other television shows, there would traditionally be a progression of music that's put in here mm, right, that instantly right. speeds up everything. And there wasn't one, but what does instantly speed up is the incessant nature of searching for what is next. And I love that. Uh, again, it's something we've talked about inside this show for a m- great many seasons inside of a ton of episodes. Right. And they are masters of it inside of this. I would compare this with the, the same ability of this show to do info dump and be incredibly entertaining and never lose any attention span. Uh, th- I thought that this was wonderful also. Nathaniel lets the Inhumans live? Now, we've glanced on this a couple of times, but I thought, especially as we get towards the end and we actually see all of them that have been rescued, that we would need to jump back and say, why on earth aren't they also given, quote, mercy or unkind death because they were assholes to Nathaniel or whatever else? And I I, I think your your sample is the best in that you may su- you may almost suck them dry, but after a period of time, they'll be able to be sucked again. And build an even larger army. That makes a lot of sense to me. And maybe they didn't actually show or say that, but that does make the most sense. Right, right. It it, it makes sense, but then you've got a whole bunch of people that have the same powers. And then that's kind of boring. I would have I would have had more in humans. I mean, did, could we not find any more extras for that particular day to shoot? I mean, it was less than twelve. Yeah. Less than 12 people. Now, maybe there were more and they're, they're they, gone, those are dead. Killed, yeah. I mean, but we don't know. We're not told. And I think if we were told, even if it was just some sort of hint like, oh, what's, what, you know, walking walking by and then there's some disturbed dirt. Oh, well, that's my, that's our nice unmarked grave for all the inhumans that didn't survive the process. Okay, well, that's chilling. Yeah. And that would have taken 15 seconds. Yeah. But we didn't get anything like that. Yeah. There is something else here too, that we're, we're talking about the transfer of powers and what happens when, and or if mutants die and all that, you guys will remember back to 2001 or to 2000 and the original classic now X-Men. Yes. And inside of that, there is an incredibly touching scene that I thought was probably one of uh, Hugh Jackman's best, especially as Wolverine, where he's not quite as ripped ass Wolverine yet. (laughs) <laughs> but the the scene is tremendous and the scene is where he thinks that rogue is dead and she's not and he's able to take his powers and then the, the again the twist there for people who haven't seen it you're an idiot <laughs> but uh he he's able to make it all work out and i thought that that was another touching sample of what can happen with the the powers are ebbing or the powers are gone from one person and transferred into another. I thought that that was a, a major league move inside of that. I loved, I loved all of the transfer inside of that, especially the showcasing of how rogue got her giant gray strand because of that. Right. And I, uh, again, there's so many great and novel ways to showcase all of that. And this makes much puzzle piece fitness for that. And I, I think that's why I wanted to make sure we talked about it and why it bothers me. Simmons is the plan. Wow. This is tremendous. But when you think about 
all the puzzle pieces that are inside this episode, the big one that's mentioned by at least three, four, five, at least five characters inside this episode is the knowledge that is being spilled on people that have no idea what was going on and now know everything about what's supposed to be happening. And I, I love that. I love that it, it the the knowledge base and book is so deep that they know to just skip to the end and go right. and grab Simmons. I, I I thought that that was a brilliant move inside this episode. It definitely propels the the peril for not only the rest of what little time we have left of the episode, but the last three episodes of this show. <laughs> Nathaniel's hijacking the Zephlorian. All right, so spaceship jacking. Awesome. A new, a new talent to write in the book because here it is. Uh, Bamfing Garrett and Nathaniel have now bamfed aboard the Zephlorian and they've taken hostage Super Duper Simmons and they're hauling ass in the Zephlorian. Ah, uh, but there is a hope. <laughs> There is a hope. <laughs> Fitz is the answer to everything. I sure hope he is because you know what? I've I've missed Fitz this season. And if I don't get Fitz in at least the last two episodes, I'm going to be a little disappointed. I think you should prepare. Because well, the only reason why they would do that is because the actor would, didn't want to come back, didn't want to renew his contract. I haven't heard anything like that in social media or anything yeah. like that. And I, I look. Yeah. And, and, and I don't. And, and I know the, you don't. That's the, why I look. Right. The, the reason I think that we're, we're going to get the sweeping nugget of there is no fits is not just because they've mentioned it here three episodes outside the end, but also because it is the tragic ending. It is. It, 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 you know, it. no matter what happens, and, you know, we're going to hope that they fix everything because for all we know, they don't. Uh, w- what we're looking at right here could be this giant mega question mark info dump. I mean, that's what this season could turn into. It could. It could. Uh, another another reason why I don't want to believe and I, I don't believe that Fitz is dead is because if we're not following in-game rules, then... Deke can't exist. Unless, of course, Deke was taken out of a divergent timeline to begin with, which he was. Again, I love... You know what? Before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I loved time travel movies (laughs) and stories because, you know what? There was a logic to it. Yeah. There were rules. I mean, even if you want to go as simple as Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures rules to where as long as you say, hey, let's remember to put the keys right here. And, whoa, whoa, keys, look at that. Even if you want to follow those crazy freaking rules, they still make sense. Yeah. And now we're we're living in a possible multiverse of not making any damn sense. So I, I like having the ability to go like, well, I could suss this out because I'm somewhat intelligent. I've read a lot of science fiction and, oh, wait a minute, I know comic books. But I don't have any at all of my po- Mike, they've stolen my powers. Yeah. My powers yeah. have been stolen. I think the other way to look at it is this, too. The, the the want is to create something extraordinary. And so far they have. Yes, yes, without a doubt. And 
uh, we, we started talking about this, I think maybe in episode three or four of this season where, you know, well, there, you know, there's no way they're going to have four or five episodes that are straight tens. That's impossible. <laughs> and so like, you know, I, I think everybody that's listening, especially the people that have been here for as long as they have, you know, the Wilkerson scale is broken. The, oh, right. the, the, ten, 10 is especially in this season, not quite a 10. So how do you, how do you, where do you go for chart topping when there is no chart to top? <laughs> and and that, that's why I, I, I think I don't fear, but I think you should prepare because knowing how the twisty turnies have worked so far and that the, you know, the, the, the tragic nature of how things have, have unfolded, I'm just saying there is another, there is a hope and his name is Deke Shaw. It's time to push to break during this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Our focus on Season 7, Episode 10, Stolen. We'll be right back after our sponsor, Steel, these few minutes away from you. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves is why am I still editing my own podcast? We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. Get the editing off your plate and reclaim more time to make more content with The Editor Core. Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with The Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, we're reviewing Season 7, the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Episode 10, Stolen. Every time we come back from break, Nick and I open up our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers share with our audience either an actor's portrayal 
something inside the storytelling that drove us cuckoo crazy awesome, or something else that trips our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got? <sighs> well, my shield dossier is short and simple. It is the wonder of James Paxton <laughs> paying homage to his father because I'm sure had Bill not passed away, he would have been invited back. Uh, hell, I'm sure he would have been invited back during the uh, the time in the framework when Hydra totally. Without was, was, you Without, know, all question. the rage. So Without question. the fact that not only that the uh, producers of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would say, we want Garrett to be a part of this ending because he was part of our beginning. How do we do that? Well, Bill Paxton has a son, and damn it if he doesn't resemble a young Bill Paxton. Let's do that. Now, that right there, that's brilliance when it comes to the writing and the planning for a show like this. And, and you know, it's his dad, so of course it's kind of like I'm paying homage to him. But just imagine, you know, your father's gone, and you're given an opportunity to embody even a, a small part of him, a, a character that he played briefly on a show that nobody was paying attention to seven years ago. Just wow. And that's my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. Yeah, I think that's tremendous. And again, thanks for sharing that with me. I did not know that. And uh, again, it makes the portrayal that much more dynamic. And I will absolutely go back and watch this episode again because of that. My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier streaks into a direction that we've glanced on inside this episode, but not yet focused on. And it is... The future book of knowledge. The mechanism that they've chosen to sweep in here is not just something that is this dark curtain that's being draped over everything that we're watching. It's education for the people that should never have the education they're being given. And I find that incredibly endearing storytelling because what that enables you to do, especially as a long-term fan of the show... It allows you to watch every single episode that you're going to see from this point on. And it's going to allow you to do your own noodling in your own brain <laughs> of what they could be doing with a book that knows everything. And just so that you're clear, they know everything that's going to happen, including what's happening now. So when somebody says, you know, they saw that coming, they see everything coming. And that should be a very dark drape for everybody that's watching this show because if everybody knew exactly what you were going to do what in the hell would you do what is your next step what what is the fix and so it's this weird conundrum as everything else is speeding by there's this giant nugget that you get to choke on in regard to storytelling that is incredibly perilous there's nothing that can happen nothing in the lexicon that they don't already know about and so, what, what do you do? And the answer is, you wait for episode 11. <laughs> and I love it. I, I think it's extraordinary storytelling. It, it, it instantly takes the peril from what is always traditionally a 10 inside this season. It amps up to 45. Because you don't know. You have no idea how they can possibly get out of this one. And that's where we ask you guys, what was your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier inside this episode? Let us know by going over to our website over at agentsofshield.tv. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier was from episode 10 of season 7. 
uh, the rating here inside the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, the scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. 17 days? We don't have 17 hours, man. A 1 is on the bottom of the scale. Game over, man. Game over. Everything starts at a 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? This episode, and you, you, you pointed it out earlier, this was a very this was very story heavy. And, uh, and heavy might not be the right word. It's not the right adjective. But it was story heavy. Very little action. And when you thought there was going to be action, it kind of gets cut short. It Actually, in all action sequences in this episode, they do get cut short. That's part of the peril because it's like, oh, they know what we're going to do. So I get it. Uh, the, the development of bad guys, both past and present and future, uh, very fun. It's always nice to focus on the bad guys every now and then because the level of your hero is only measured by the level of your bad guy. So to get even more understanding of what Nathaniel is, is up to, what his mindset is, where his master plan of anarchy is concerned, it helps. Problem is, is that there are a couple of hiccups where the storytelling is concerned, and they're my personal hiccups. They're not necessarily something that derails the episode or the season or the show in general. Mm -hmm. It's just, for me... Knowing what I know and then seeing it portrayed in a way that kind of kind of makes me feel like maybe they could have done better, but somehow they were they had their hands tied behind their backs. Maybe it was budget. Maybe it was somebody from higher up saying, oh, well, you can't do that because we got plans over here. But maybe do something like this. I don't know. I just don't know. So for me, I cannot give this episode anything more than a nine i think that's all well said there there are obviously a couple of skip beats here inside this episode i think i was actually going to go a number lower than yours but i think what chalks it up is the knowledge not only of the chemistry set that i love of this program right but also the knowledge that they bothered to go get bill paxton's kid <laughs> i mean like how well i would love to instantly chalk that also up to a 10 because of that I can't. And so I, too, give this episode only a nine. Jeez. What's going on here? My God. Anyway, that's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Season 7, the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., episode 10, Stolen. Let us know what your stolen score was by going over to our website at agentsofshield.tv. Let us know what you think. Until the next episode, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. thankful you were able to review this covert communication reviewing the most recent episode of marvel's agents of shield a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on abc be sure to tune in to our ongoing top secret communication with agents all over the globe via our facebook presence immediately facebook.com forward slash shield podcast to be the first to be made aware of agents of shield news the arrival of our newest reviews and more the agents of shield podcast a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing Agents of
agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication. All right, little sound for Mr. Nick, please. There's a little sound. Very little sound. Can I have some more louder sound? Louder sound! There comes a time when a man just needs to say, you are full of shit. And I'm not swallowing it anymore. Can I have your less effeminate voice, please? That'd be terrific. Oh, gosh, thank you. Less effeminate? Yeah. How was I feminine? I'll let you figure it out on the edit. <laughs> Just a regular voice, please. This is my regular voice. Okay. This is how I talk. <laughs>